On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we have a packed slate to discuss, including Mr. Model back from the lab spewing a bunch of knowledge about college basketball. That's right, folks. He's got his model cranking out college basketball, and he's going to give us a little tips on some picks that we might want to take our eyes on. Could be some winners in the weeds, and we've got some games that you might not even think about which is why we love Mr. Model and his college basketball picks. Then we've got Coulter and Hughes on as well, looking at week number 13 in the NFL, some doozies of some games. We've got plenty of crossfire action, including Monday night's key matchup of the Pats and the Bills. So stay tuned for episode number 120 of Double Down Trent. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent all right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. It is a football Thursday. We got a lot going on. Joining us tonight, our NFL insider, Coulter. How you doing, bud? You know, I'm doing good. Uh, week 12 was a lot more uh, gracious to me than week 11, so I'm feeling good. We took a little week off, got some stuffing in the belly. Things are great. Michael Gallup scored in the first quarter, first half of this Cowboys game, so he's on the fantasy squad starting tonight. So I'm loving life. All right. We also have got our Patriots expert living in Philly, Bill Hughes. How you doing, bud? What's going on, boys? How are you? Got to love your pats, huh? Yeah, things are looking good with the pats. Um, it's been uh, it's been an interesting couple weeks. I mean, I definitely think they've uh, they've really put their uh, stake in the ground, and then. Also, if you look at the team in Philly, a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, we can talk about a uh, tough loss that I think uh, at the hands of your New York football giants this past weekend. I mean, nothing better than beating the Philadelphia Eagles. There's just nothing. Even though our season is totally gone, watching the Eagles go down in flames when all these media people are saying, look out, Philly might be a little sneaky wild card team. They might be frisky. And then they show you that's their why I, that's why I keep picked the that's why I keep picked the Giants last week. You know, cool. you're you're smart, Coulter, and I'm glad that you did not listen to me because for listeners, Coulter put it out in our little text chain, said, "Hey, why why should I not take the Giants as like my key pick?" And the pessimist Giants fan of me said, "Stay as far away from this team as possible." And you smartly did not take my advice. So good job by you. <laughs> Well, we live in a world, not to grandstand, we, where we have like we reject history and like we try to like openly forget history that just happened. And the Philly and New York bad blood is ripe with bad blood stemming back from that football team game in week 17 last year. Like these two teams hate each other. There's no way the Giants weren't max motivated for that game. These two teams absolutely hate each other. And I actually think the Giants are I think they're going to beat them again when they go to Philly. They want to F Philly up really bad. Entirely possible. And ladies and gentlemen, what an honor. We have got our very own Mr. Model back from the lab making his return. How you doing, Mr. Model? He lives. Finally. Yeah. Thanks for so much for letting me come back and uh, get back into the swing of things here. I've been in the lab focused on basketball still in early season. It's been fun so far, but I'm, I'm just along a ride for the football. Can't believe those Patriots are doing so well. I'm going to eat my words based on some text chain that I've sent earlier this year. I'm a little regretting that. We'll see how that lands. But excited to uh, hear how things are going with football and excited to talk a little basketball. Absolutely, my friend. It is always a pleasure. Now, we're going to have you take the lead here and start us off because we've been doing, you know, a little teasing about this college basketball. We are officially opening the doors to the Double Down Trent Hedge Fund college basketball season. We're going to work on the name if we need to. But go ahead. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing, my friend. So we are um, in my season. We are in the second week of college basketball. And one of the things that I do with my um, machine learning model is that I let each team play at least four games against a division one opponent before I start placing bets on them. And that's for a variety of reasons. It's for some stats over the previous four games, as well as some power ranking stuff that I do uh, just beyond those four games. So um 
it's been a like last season, it's been a little bit of a slow start, which is kind of what I was expecting. Um, I've been up both weeks so far, but it's been very meager. Um, I'm up like one unit total after two weeks. Um, it's been everywhere up to, I was up four at one point and it's kind of been kind of back down. So, uh, still very meager and I'm hoping things kind of, uh, get more stable here as we go. So once that seems like we're hitting on all cylinders, you guys will be fully looped in. But I'm coming with a couple of picks. There's a there's a big game tomorrow night, which I want to talk about, Purdue and Iowa. Um, and I want to give you guys some of those little cupcake games, too, that I have my eye on. What do you want first? You know, I always love the cupcake games. You know, <laughs> back when we were doing this back in the day, it was the games that you go into the weeds to find. The games that no one even knows might be even on the books. So let's start there. Those are the fun ones. Yeah. So the first one, we are recording this on December 2nd at 830. Some of the lines have popped for tomorrow's games. 830 Mountain Time, 1030 Eastern Time. Let me be clear. Um, I have placed one wager for tomorrow, and that is on the game that everyone is going to be talking about tomorrow. It is Canisius versus Fairfield. Woo! Could not even tell you what two leagues these two are in. Maybe the the Mac for one of them. <laughs> I'm not totally sure. Uh I have Fairfield plus two here. It's opened uh, Fairfield plus two minus 108. I actually think this is wrong team favored. Um, I'm seeing Canisius is home with a, a minus two. I actually think they're going to lose by uh, just over two points. So I have already locked in a bet here for Fairfield plus two, and I think they're going to win outright. Wow. Coulter, us Connecticut boys. I mean, that's a mecca, that Fairfield basketball gym. I mean, I don't know. Have you been there? That place is just hollowed grounds. Fairfield Stags, of course, absolutely. Yeah, say, actually, I've seen a couple of people graduate from that same gymnasium at Fairfield Prep, so uh, I've been there a couple of times. It actually looks a little like Cameron Indoor. I mean, that's about the same size of the of the, uh, of the facility, but then it also has like a Hoosiers feel to it. It's got the old wooden kind of wooden uh, stands that go up the sides. It's just a nice spot for basketball. But all right, Mister Mono, I like it. Picking out a little little small squad here. Yeah, and you're absolutely correct that it is the MAAC. Can you nailed it? Nailed it. There's, There's two Macs. Yeah, you got you got you got you got to string that one out. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, our listeners may also be interested in the big matchup here. So give us the give us a kick on that one. Yeah. So the big game tomorrow night is in the Big Ten. Purdue is playing Iowa. Purdue is home. This is going to be a phenomenal game, even if Iowa has lost um, some of the players from last year. Purdue is just an absolute stud, maybe one of the top four teams in the country, if not top two. Uh, Right now, Purdue is favored by 12 points and the total on this game as of right now is 160 and a half, which is a massive, massive total. There's going to be a ton of scoring. Um, my predictions right now have this as a Purdue win by 11 and a half. So there's no uh, nothing that I would bet in terms of a spread for these teams. The one interesting thing, my total prediction for this game is right around 158 and a half. So if this is this will be a game that I'll actually end up keeping an eye on. And if it gets bet up, which one of the things I've learned from last year, games like this between two big teams, a lot of people love to bet the over. So the over tends to get bet early. Um, so I might not bet this now. And then if it gets up to say 162, 162 and a half, that's probably when I would take an under bet there. So this is something that I'm not going to bet now, but if it goes up, then I might be, uh, grabbing a little piece. So talk to me a little bit about what's the, what's the difference in numbers where you jump on something like what's the Delta? Cause for instance, I put a little bet down on this Cowboys saints game, right? I got the line of Cowboys minus four and a half. The book's got it now at minus six for the Cowboys. That's a good little delta for me. So when you're doing college basketball, obviously there's more points here. What are you looking for? What's the number where you see, all right, my model's saying this, the books are saying that. Yeah, so there, there's two things. So what I did last year is I looked, always looked for at least a five-point delta in what the books had to what my model predicted. And that, that worked well for me last year. I was up a bunch of units last year, and I was planning on doing something similar this year. The, the thing that has thrown me through a loop, especially early this season, is that over the offseason, I improved a bunch of things in my model. So I added new data. I derived new features. And now I can't just assume that it's going to act like it did last year. I can't just assume that I can use that five-point threshold 
as something different of where I need to be betting and not betting. So that's something I've actually been trying to figure out and I've been looking at some of my training data to see it. So on the spread betting, I found that um, I'm not hitting five as often in terms of point differentials. So I've had to flex a little bit and I've been looking at four and four and a halfs um, as the difference between my prediction and the actual spread. The totals has been even closer. The totals I've had to start looking at three point differences to even consider it because I've bet very rarely sp- uh, totals this year. So I'm still trying to figure that out and see if I can actually expect there to be five point differences and what that looks like. But so far it's been much tighter and that's really surprised me and still something I'm trying to see what the hell is going on there. Interesting. Well, now why do you think that's happening? I think my model is, has more data than it did last year. And therefore it is, it is being more, I think it is more intelligent and actually landing closer to the Vegas line because I think how they set their lines are very well done. Um, So I think last year, because I had slightly less features, it was a little less intelligent and therefore it had wider discrepancies that I still bet and still did well. But I think with the additional stuff that I've added, like, for example, I've added elevation change between two teams. So if you have a Utah State tonight versus a St. Mary's who's coming from like sea level, like that's one thing that I've added as well as like home court advantage and all these other things that I didn't have last year. And I just think that makes it a little tighter and kind of tends to fall with what Vegas has set the spread and total lines up. Interesting. Well, I got to ask you a favor now, somebody who may be like me, a Fugazi college basketball fan, I really don't start getting into it until NFL season ends. Smart. Say what you will about me, but you know, it is what it is. Who are some teams that I should be keeping an eye on or, you know, what's the, what are some things that maybe I could be looking at to get ahead of the curve before February, before March Madness, before these conference tournaments start kicking in and some of the value might be baked out of these teams. You know, one of the things that I think is really fun is you kind of get some teams who are not your typical, you know, first thing that comes to mind who are still kind of under the radar, but are going to be really good. And just as an example, let me jump to the West Coast Conference for a second, where everyone knows who Gonzaga is, one of the best teams in basketball. But underneath them, you actually have a bunch of teams who are pretty talented. For example, BYU, St. Mary's, and San Francisco are all teams that you would never, ever think of as being you know, decent basketball schools or you wouldn't immediately think of. But these three I can see are actually playing really well, and I wouldn't be shocked to see the West Coast Conference get all four of those teams into the tournament. Um, I'll admit I grabbed a couple futures way at the beginning of the season, and BYU is one of my teams that I grabbed – either at plus 20,000 or plus 30,000. I can't remember what, but I did that with a bunch of teams that I thought would just kind of go up in stock. And uh, I knew some were going to hit and some were probably just going to be total duds. But um, those are some of the fun ones that, you know, just got to keep your eye on. And I feel like there's always the East coast bias. Like Gonzaga is not one, obviously went over there, but like those West coast teams, the only time I ever even think about St. Mary's is come tournament time. We're like St. Mary's, they're good for an upset, put them down. <laughs> I, I think that's right. And I actually I actually like that. I like that I'm out in Colorado and I like that I'm more focused on some of the Mountain West, Pac-12, because a lot of those teams don't get thought of. And for example, last year in the tournament, it was high variance, but the Pac-12 absolutely thundered through and did way better than what people expect, largely just because perception, they don't get on TV as much. They play late. People are going to bed. Like there's definitely some of that. So, um, you know, I, I kind of like that. I'll root for those teams. But uh you know, ACC down this year, Pac-12 kind of middling. Uh, we'll see if they can keep pull it together. Yeah. Hey, come tournament time, though, those West Coast teams, those are a gambler's dream. You got games uh, going on until about two in the morning. <laughs> I think that's right. I, I, I love it. Um, all right. Let me give you let me give you one more that I have my eye on and then uh, I'll, I'll defer the floor to the NFL talk. Um, one of the better games tomorrow night, Kansas against St. John's. I think this game is either at Kansas or at a neutral site or semi-neutral site. Looks like it's semi-neutral or something. Um, I actually like Kansas in the game. The line that opened was Kansas minus seven, but I actually think it's going to get bet down a little bit. So I'm actually, I haven't taken it yet. I wouldn't be surprised to see this drop to uh, minus six and a half or minus six for Kansas. 
I'll probably grab it when it gets to um, minus six if it hits that because I have Kansas as a win by 10 points. So that four point differential is kind of what I'm looking for. If it hits it, then I'll take it. If it doesn't, I'll probably just lay off. Okay. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, man, if I get this Cowboys cover tonight, it is rolling right into that pick, my friend. (laughs) No, do that Fairfield one first. That's true. (laughs) Well, now I got a good segue for you and I appreciate all this college basketball talk. It's giving me a little wet the beak action getting in, gives me something on these like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, these days where I don't have football. This is, this is going to be nice. So I appreciate that. I do, however, want to bring your attention to a little conversation we had preseason about the NFL <laughs> where you told our very own Bill Hughes <laughs> that you were going to put a bet down that the Broncos, your Denver Broncos would have more yeah. wins in the regular season than the Patriots. I would like you to address that bet, how it stands through week 12 right now. And then we'll have Bill do a little rebuttal. You know, the first thing I would like to say is that it's a long NFL season and we are, you know, still very much in the thick of it. Um, I am pleasantly surprised for a while there. It looked like uh, Denver's GM Patton was starting to, you know, sell the the crown jewels and say that we're going to be looking to the future. But it seems like he's batting down the hatches a little bit and turned the ship to say, hey, we still have a chance this year and let's not get rid of all the all the talent that we may have just on Here's short. Bet. George Patton will be a GM of the year in, in five years, in the next five years. Oh, for sure. And for sure. GM of yes. The year. Yes. Phenomenal. <laughs> he is shaking his head. <laughs> yeah. Teddy, Teddy too. He's, 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 how can you hate a guy named George Patton? What are you French? <laughs> fair point. No, fair point. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think the line is no bastard ever won a war dying for his country. He won a war by making some other poor bastard die for theirs. Patton's a man. <laughs> Patton is is the greatest. So no, I'm I'm on board. I'm just saying. I don't know. I mean, I I, I thought, and we talked about this before, whether the Vaughn Miller deal was a little bit of a white flag to some extent, but it doesn't seem like it has been. They've played well at times, and maybe Vaughn wasn't bringing a lot as much to the table as he could. But um, but yeah, no, the Broncos, I think, have been a, a you know pleasant surprise, too. I think they've, they've hung in. Um, you know, they're obviously well-coached. Uh, but, but yeah, the Pats, Pats are back. They're wagoning. Wagoning. And- uh, and, but to, but to, to the long season stance, too, though, I mean, they've got three games coming up uh, that will, you know, I think they'll win the last two. We talked about that, Jacksonville and Miami. Um, but they, they're 1-0 in this four-game stretch. If they can split with Buffalo and beat Indy, then yeah, they put themselves in a really good spot, and they could even somehow sneak into the number one seed um, with the fact that there's just a lot of parity seemingly in in the AFC right now. I I got a hand up too, man. I was giving you a little bit of a hard time kind of earlier in the season, but they looked for real. Uh, I I mean, this Monday night game. Thank God it's a Monday night game because this is it's awesome. Be fun. Very happy for the fans of Buffalo because they've needed this and they're probably already starting to tailgate as we speak, but give me a little taste, Bill. What do you think? I mean, obviously it's a a division game. You're in Buffalo. sounds like there's going to be shitty weather. I feel I'm going into this game. I I think this is exactly what Buffalo needs to turn around their season. They need to find the motivation. I feel like they, They've been in the playoffs the last couple of years, so they they looked at times earlier in the year a little bit disinterested um, after they got off to a hot start, or maybe they were a little out of out of sync. I, I think that they just haven't looked as good, obviously, recently. And if they falter like they have been, I think the the Pats right now are in the best position they could be from a health perspective. They got one guy with COVID. Duggar might is going to probably be out for the game, which. Um, kind of hurts their defense a little bit, but I think they'll be fine. I think Jamie Collins is going to be back. Um, So I think they're going to be in a really good spot. And I think Buffalo though, this is their, this is their chance to say that, wait a second, hold on. This wasn't just like a flash in the pan. We've got a quarterback and a team built to, to be the best team in this division for at least a few more um, and not let this upstart Mac Jones uh, come into their house and do what he's been doing to a lot of, you know, I think pretty, pretty good teams uh, in the NFL. And so 
I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be must-see TV, uh, kind of like that Michigan-Ohio State game was this past weekend. I uh, <laughs> saw, saw that it was the most-watched college football game of all time. Um, but anyways, we don't need to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but no, I think uh, I think it's going to be great. And, and again, this is Josh Allen. They, the Pats have always struggled with quarterbacks that can get out of the pocket in a broken pocket scenario. They do good when they can focus on running quarterbacks, but these types, Josh Allen's always done a pretty good job on the ground. I think you're going to see him get out of the pocket. Uh, it's going to be a little bit about that. And he's going to have to take those. Take, he's going to have to be methodical because I don't think they'll give up the big play. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a great game. Cause it should be a really good should, matchup. Should be a great game. I'll let the listeners know that if we're going to talk about this in our pool, the line is three and a half. The Patriots getting three and a half. Obviously that's over that key number. That's a, that's a huge advantage. I think the books now are two and a half. So it might be a little bit different. I know Coulter, that was one of your picks you had circled here earlier in the week. Yeah, I, I'm currently key picked actually on New England, but I might change it to Miami just because those seem like they're the biggest okay. line movers, or at least the key numbers. Yeah. Miami coming uh, in light in the pool and now obviously through to four. Yeah, that's a huge number too. Now, I do want to also bring this up. I think this might be the first time all season that we are recording after our teams have all won a game on the same week. What are the odds of that? Coulter, Mr. Model, your Broncos, I mean, defense coming to play. What do you think, Coulter? How, how do you feel about your Broncos right now? Looming yeah, with a big know, matchup against the Chiefs. A lot is made about Huge. this Von Miller trade to L.A., but we, we stole their middle linebacker, Kenny Young, number 41. This guy can absolutely play. And what has been lost on a majority of common football fans who don't watch us every week, and it was actually exposed on Thursday night, which was our only national game of the year, is our inside linebackers. We've had four of them go out with season-ending injuries. It's just been a injury after injury at that position. Uh, and so we got this kid young from the Rams at the trade deadline for a fifth rounder, stolen. He's freaking amazing. This guy was all over the field on Sunday. Uh, and, you know, I think we got – a couple of good breaks. I think Herbert was trying to be Brett Favre on Sunday. Um, the home crowd got into it. And I think, you know, that's what happens when the Broncos, when mile high gets ignited like that, a pick six, um, you know, that's the, you know, the stadium at its best. So yeah, I think that was a storm of trouble. The chargers don't play well there historically, at least since Phil Rivers left town. So, um, you know, they're going to continue to struggle at mile high. I think we'll see how we do this week against the chiefs. It's just such road. a shame that you got Teddy Two Gloves and Drew Lock because they're just doing enough for you to stay in the hunt. You're in that frisky in the hunt spot. If you had a well, quarterback, you guys can, are dangerous. Can I ask a question? Big, can I big, ask a yeah. Biggest biggest win though from the weekend though it was uh, any sort of uh, leftover feelings that Drew Lock could potentially be the quarterback is now over. That whatever yep. storyline yep. was whatever life support you were putting that storyline on it's over. And so we got the clarity from that game, which is great because we won the game. He was only in for like 10 plays and we had the clarity that we could definitely cut ties with this guy going ahead after the season. We can either stick with Teddy draft a guy or sign another guy. We do not have to go back to Drew Locke. We know that. Now. Two, two, things you, two things you didn't just mention in those options for quarterback is trading for Russell Wilson or trading for um, Deshaun. Yeah, Wilson. go ahead. I mean, is that like, is that something that is that, that the Broncos look to do and say, cause I think clearly we talk about it's this, all, there's a Russell Wilson problem. We've been over this with the ownership thing in Denver. And uh, today I just read a report that they actually had a uh, four bankers in there to start finalizing it. What is it? I think a deal with a buyer. So I think the, the long answer to that is I think we can get a Russell Wilson to Sean Watson or, uh, um, Aaron Rodgers type quarterback in a trade, but I think we do need to resolve the ownership thing first. And so that might get in the way of, of that big, big landing of a, I mean, look, it's QB. a tasty, it's a tasty landing spot. You got a built in defense. You've got weapons. There's guys signed that too. They signed yeah. Patrick and Sutton and they have yep. Judy and Hamlin to rookie deal. So. Yeah. And Javante Williams, I'm a big fan. So you guys got weapons, a nice quarterback in there could do the trick. Now this is a perfect segment too, when, when Melvin Gordon walks at the end of the year as well. So that's a yeah. nice little free ten million to spend on whoever. You know, all this talk. Line. I was going to say all this talk of talent is a nice segue to my team, who just is just lacking talent across the board. Now, I had this little rant, and I had it set up for last week. The Giants were coming off a loss. Now they beat Philly, so 
you know, my spirits have been lifted a little bit, but I just got to give you a, a little bit of a rundown of just how bad Dave Gettleman and his staff has run this team into the ground. So if you'll grant me a little leeway here, I just want to talk about how bad our team is. I'm going to start with the drafts because I was looking at this. Dave Gettleman has had now four draft classes, okay? And it just gets worse and worse every year. Now, I'm going to give you their draft picks, and I'm also going to give you the guys that they passed on because that is even more eye-opening. So, obviously, 2018, we have the number two pick in the draft. We pick Saquon Barkley. We know what happens there, right? Obviously, all kinds of stuff happens. Quarterbacks, galore. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Ever heard of them? Yes, they could have had them. This is, though... Also just as bad. They pick in the second round with the 34th pick, Will Hernandez, an offensive guard who's turned out to be terrible. Do you know who was the next pick, 35? Nick Chubb. So they could have had Nick Chubb and let's say Josh Allen or Josh <laughs> Lamar Jackson as their, their guys right there. That's just 2018, okay? Then they go to 2019 when the draft that set the Giants back probably 10 years. They have three first-round picks. They pick Daniel Jones. We all know what happened about that. Dexter Lawrence, who's a fine defensive tackle. And then DeAndre Baker, who we also know what happened to him. Guy gets cut, arrested. I think he played in three games. Unbelievable. Proud, proud Georgia Bulldog alumni. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you got. got going on down there. Hey, listen. <laughs> save that dog slander, okay, till after Saturday. We'll start talking dogs. But I want to bring this point up, too. In 2019 – in 2019 in the second or third round listen to the guys like this on offense Debo Samuel, AJ Brown DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin all second third round picks that could have been added to their team, not added Okay, so their guy that year that they wanted was Justin Herbert he stays in college let's fast forward to 2020 the Giants have the fourth overall pick they just watched the Arizona Cardinals make this exact move where they said our first round pick quarterback that we took Last year sucks. We need to improve. They picked Kyler Murray. The Giants are sitting there at pick number four with Justin Herbert on the board, and they say no. They pick Andrew Thomas, who's turned into a nice little player. But, I mean, realistically, come on. Come on. I just want to give you a rundown here. These are all the quarterbacks that they could have had in these four drafts. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, I'll throw in there because why not? But then also Mac Jones and Justin Fields were available this past year. All quarterbacks that they said, eh, I think I like our Daniel Jones guy. Unfucking believable. That's all. Thank you. I'll hang up and listen to your, your opinions. Russell Wilson's coming to the Big Apple. Listen, I would love that. I don't see why he would want to do that, though. I was going to say, I don't see any reason why he'd want to come. I, I'm other very than, interested to see than if, his wife wanted to be in New York. Yeah. I'm very interested to see if your coach survives the season. I think based off how that ownership group has been, he probably will. Gettleman uh, being seen as the problem has to go. The, 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 the Dan Jones thing is just like the eternal, like, could, could he be better if he had better? I just don't know. I, I think that's the tough, the tough thing. I think the Barkley pick obviously was the was the killer and i think when you take a running back at that point in the draft your team better be fucking loaded like you better be like the rams somehow stumble upon the number two pick next year oh shit yeah like let's just gluttony and take a take a running back but i think with where the giants were at at that point taking a running back regardless of how good saquon barkley was in college just such a such a killer in hindsight but I mean, I, I didn't hate the pick at the time. Um, I thought, I mean, I was a big Barkley fan uh, when he was at Penn State. So that's it's a tough one, man. But at the yeah. same time, uh, the offensive line is horrible. And it's Terrible. one of the worst offensive lines in the world. And I just don't know how you can truly evaluate what you have at quarterback with how bad that offensive line has been. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. I have one other final point to make on this, the offensive line. I don't know if you guys have seen Nate Solder at right tackle <laughs> for the New York Giants. You pay, you paid for past performance. Big mistake. Oh, they did. And he's been starting, right? But they picked in the third round last year, right? And I said, who the fuck is Matt Pert? He is a tackle from UConn, right? 
big, huge guy, athletic, and he has not started a game at all. And you look at Nate Solder, and I'm not even kidding you guys. I think me right now in my fat fraternity stage, weighing 185 pounds, could do a better job blocking a defensive end than Nate Solder. And they're not playing Matt Pert. And everyone's like, what the fuck? How bad is Matt Pert that he's not getting the game? And here's exactly what their offensive line coach said about this. Nate Soldier is playing better than Matt. That's why Matt's not in there. So how bad is Matt Pert? Yet yeah. another bad draft pick by Dave Gettleman. You're in trouble. Unbelievable. No talent. All yeah. right. That's I feel rant. like that was a reach when it happened, was it not? I feel like that was like – I, I rarely remember – tackles being drafted but i almost remember like broadcast being like what are they doing this guy's a reach he played at yukon i mean it's like (laughs) (laughs) it's all you need to know if you're not signing that guy as an undrafted free agent you've definitely overdrafted (laughs) in the third round that's a premium pick okay all right let's turn our attention to week 13 we got better things to talk about than the, the lack of talent on the new york football giants Bill, you are in first place in terms of, I guess you're in first place in the pod, but you're in third place overall in our pool. Therefore, you take the floor. Why don't you give us your first pick of the week? Oh, man, this is a tough one. I, I had a lot of trouble with the way that the board was looking. Um, my first pick of the week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Pats. Uh, I'm going to take the Pats. I, I don't know, uh, Colter, I know you said that that's your key pick. I don't know if you are going to settle in on that, but – I think that's my key, potentially going to be my key pick, but is my my favorite pick on the board. I don't know how um, they're getting three and a half. Uh, I know you said it's down to two and a half out there, but um, but to me, the Pats in this spot is is probably the safest, one of the safest bets. Um, I think I think they I think they win the game outright, but I also think they they lose. They can definitely keep moving the field goal. Yeah, Coulter, what do you got? Uh, you know. I think the Patriots offensive line has bullied people around. And if you look at the bills losses, they've been bullied around on the offensive and defensive line by teams. Jacksonville's defensive line beat the shit out of Buffalo. And I know they had a couple guys injured in that game, but they really walloped them. And like, I just think the Patriots defensive line is going to win that battle. And I think their offensive line is going to push Buffalo's uh, front seven back. And I think they're going to have plenty of time to run the football um, if the weather is bad, I am interested to see how Jones handles that. I do think Allen, for whatever reason, I think he is more of a cannon, and I don't think he's going to suffer from that as much. I do want to see what the Patriots' pass offense looks like, if it's like cold and rainy and windy and gross. Um, but I, I, those conditions, I don't necessarily love Buffalo's offense either. I know Allen has a gun, but I think they can't run the football, so it's all all arrows point advantage to uh, New England. And at three and a half, with better special teams, a better coach, the history he has against that uh, organization um, and then the advantages they have on the offensive and defensive line. I can't look any other way. Good takes, Mr. Model. What do you think here? You know, I, I can't say no to new England at this point. I, uh, I think Hughes is, is turning my perception of them from beginning of this year to where we are now. So I'll, uh, I'll jump on board. I'll, I'll agree with him there. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Taking your beatings. Um, <laughs> I'm also on the Pats. Um, I just think this game is set up perfectly for them. You guys both brought up some good points. I think the weather potentially could be huge here. And what the Pats have been doing is playing what we used to see from teams like the Ravens. They're playing bully ball. They're dominating the line of scrimmage. They're running the ball. They're controlling the line of scrimmage and they're letting Mac Jones just kind of play his game. If this has to come down to a sloppy, ugly weather game, I don't trust the bills running game. Like you said, Gulther, they just can't run the ball. And maybe, you know, Josh Allen shows up and pulls some things out of his ass here. But to me in our pool, three and a half, I cannot not. I'll pay to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pay to see the Josh Allen hero game. And he, I mean, really what we're saying is he's going to take a step up on Monday or he won't. I mean, if he beats Bill Belichick in the elements, you know, with a team that's humming six game win streak, Allen will take yet another evolutionary step up as a quarterback in this league. If he doesn't, he's staying where he is. And, you know, I, I think as a flawed guy who's had, he's flashed some greatness at times, but obviously is also on the opposite end of that greatness. It's been inaccurate in some seasons and this year has been kind of an up and down uh, slog for them. 
Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I mean, it, I'll pay to see the Josh Allen hero game for sure. I'm going to take Belichick though and the boys. Yep. All right. In unison there, boys. I don't know if that's a good sign, but we'll see. Not, not, never, not usually never is. Never good. Never good. Say, Hughes hates us now for all being. <laughs> I would have to switch this, but no. It's all right. All right, well, Cole, let, let me, let me warm us up with some crossfire. This is an automatic. You guys are going to, this is going to be, I'm going to get 30 bucks bet across here. I'm going to take everything against my will says I should not take this side, but I'm going to. Big Ben and the Steelers plus three and a half at home. This team should never be this big of a dog against any division team. I don't care if it's Baltimore, Cleveland, or Cincinnati. This is Steelers, Pittsburgh, home crowd, Tomlin. I can go on and on and on. My key handicap here, and this is not being factored in, everybody and their mother is pounding the Ravens. It's already up to four and a half, and I actually saw it at five at some places earlier today. How are they not looking at the Ravens' injury report? They're missing their starting corner, Humphrey, starting left tackle, Cedric Obugia. They're missing Owe, their first-round pick, the defender. They're missing their fullback, Patrick Ricard. He's essential to their running game. They're missing another tackle, Villanueva. They're missing their defensive tackle, Brandon Williams. They're missing another corner, Tavon Young. This is a banged-up Baltimore team. Why is this not being discussed? Not to mention they've had, I think, Lamar, besides maybe Kyler, is one of the sketchiest quarterbacks for health because of whatever he's going through. I feel like he could end up being a COVID or an illness or a stomach problem. Who knows with that guy? Um I don't know. I think you get max motivated Pittsburgh. They're coming off an ass whooping against Cincinnati. They've never been more focused. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I have to take this Pittsburgh Steelers plus three and a half. I know they're not like quote unquote Belichick and the Patriots, but like, man, if this was Belichick and the Patriots plus three and a half with the bills coming to town after a shellacking, you'd be all over the Patriots. I have to go Steelers here. It's my football gut instinct. I love the home crowd. I love the fact Baltimore's hurt. I love people not talking about that. Two tackles, two cornerbacks, they're fullback. Nobody is mentioning this in any handicapping, and people are just pounding the Ravens. So come on, crossfire me. <laughs> all right, Hughes, what do you got? Um, I'm not going to crossfire you because this one did feel a little weird to me. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it is the home field um, dog over the number. I, it, it does feel like it's going to be a tight game. I think that there's no – unless the Steelers are totally dead, um, which they're still in. I mean, they could still definitely compete for a wild card spot with the extra playoff spot. And, I, and, and they have been banged up, uh, and, but they do have a good coaching staff. So I, I do think – I'm, you might be you might be onto something here. The, this this line definitely doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense, um, other than the fact that they know people think Baltimore is bulletproof, and I think Baltimore has definitely squeaked out some wins against some bad teams. Uh, but on the road, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I could see this being I could see this being a very very easy upset special. So I'm I'm actually going to stay away from the crossfire. Okay, Mr. Model, what do you think? So I get Baltimore minus three and a half. Yep. Yeah, I'll 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 take that and I'll I'll crossfire. It, it's, Mr. Mr. Model loves the line. Yes. Already up to five and yes. He's thinking, wow, the Vegas sharps. They're so smart. <laughs> They're not smart, Mr. Model. I've listened to every gambling podcast. <laughs> not one gambling podcast <laughs> talking about the Ravens injuries. It's just like injuries. I'm telling you, I, they're not as I smart will, as they think they are. I will play the market. Ridiculous. I will play the market. We'll see what happens. And I will crowdsource my, my betting. And I will say, yes, please. Baltimore minus three and a half. Give me. I love this game because I'm going against the Vegas sharps. Cause I know that they're the ones that first moved this line. Cause they think the Ravens are like a super team. And that might be, you know, we might be on the pod next week and we might be saying, wow, the Ravens really are the best team in the AFC. I saw a team on Sunday night. I don't know if you guys watched that game. That was highly unimpressive. I mean, really just a not great offensive team, sloppy with the ball. Again, Lamar, you know, if this is the MVP of the league, he is so unpredictable, whether it's him not making the game against the Bears because of whatever or throwing four picks against a division rival at home on Sunday Night Football. I just feel like he's really inconsistent, and that's not being talked about either. I I don't know. The whole thing just rubs me the wrong way. I I also think, too, just real quick, that – they just haven't put up a lot of points. Like I, I just don't, I don't see this as not being a decent value. Um, they, they won 16 to 10, 16 to 13. They put up 10 the week before. So they haven't put up more than 16 points the last three weeks. So I, I think the Steelers have a good enough defense 
um, to hang in this game. I think this is definitely uh, definitely going to be close. So they they moved the line too because of Watt with the COVID. And let's not forget Watt played. This is a very key detail, and I actually I would love if this could like get broken out for sound. Watt did not play well last week. They lost by thirty eight points. He played in that game hurt. Him being on the COVID list isn't a warranty to go move the line a point, a half a point, or a point and a half. Watt is a non-factor. He is zero points to the line because he was not a factor last week when they played the Bengals because he is hurt. It does not matter that he's not playing. He's their only significant injury, and it's not an injury. It's COVID, and he wasn't good last week. So if you thought the Ravens were unimpressive, what did you think about the Steelers last week? <laughs> I think this is a team with a secondary issue. They have, la- I mean, we saw it against the Chargers. They lack depth in their secondary, but hopefully they're getting more healthy. It seems that way based on their injury report this week. Uh, I mean, they got picked apart by Burrow and Herbert, two of the best young quarterbacks in the league. There's nothing else to say. Uh, they lack depth in that. They had what three corners on Sunday night, literally total in that game. I mean, no team is going to win. I saw the Broncos get thrashed by the bills. Exact same thing last year when they had three corners, you cannot win in the NFL or even hold an offense under 30 points if you have three defensive backs it's ridiculous so i think they're getting uh, healthier go for it crossfire man i'm gonna jump on the crossfire train as well i think they're just dead in the water man i mean they barely covered against the chargers on a miracle how can a mike tomlin team with six weeks to go be dead in the water please i just think that they are three times in a row i know and it seems weird to think but they are dead when you got four players coming out bashing the team they are a dead in the water squad. So I just, and I don't think the Ravens necessarily are that good right now. They're just finding ways to win, but I just think the Steelers are done. I think that's it for them. That's fine. I, I'm welcoming the crossfire on this one. I wanted <laughs> some sparks because I knew we'd all be in agreement with the Patriots and probably the Dolphins. So I wanted to go a little contrarian. Got a little juice there. All right, Mr. Model, why don't you give us your first pick? Welcome back, pick. Uh, thank you. All right. I'm going to go uh, to the West Coast again for my my first pick. I'm going to take the Las Vegas Raiders minus two and a half against the Washington football team. Um, you know, not much to say other than I feel like the West Coast uh, AFC West gets, you know, a little bit of a shellacking. I think these are four decent teams that are playing uh, each other tough. Washington football team, I just I'm not a huge fan. Heineke isn't it. Although I'd like to root for him just based on his performance in the playoffs last year as well as this year. Uh, Derek Carr has been, you know, outperforming any of my wildest expectations for what he can actually do uh, as an NFL quarterback. Um, I know, you know, Raiders have certainly had their uh, obstacles this year with uh, some poor decision making by both players and coaches. But um, I think they get this one done and continue to compete in the AFC West. So I'll take them minus two and a half. Okay. Hughes, what do you got? Yeah, I'm uh I'm I'm with him on that one. Uh I do like Vegas in this in the spot. Washington's just due for a letdown game. And maybe maybe they had are peaking um or starting to put things some things together, but I just I feel like there's no way that this team is that good where they're gonna come out and put together another performance, this time on the road against what I do think is a pretty good Vegas team. I mean, Vegas has definitely got their problems. Um but Derek Carr can light it up. Uh, it's going to be a task for Washington's defense. So they have been good, um, but they're going to have to find a way to get to the quarterback because I think he'll be able to to get some things done. I don't – is Waller – I don't think he's playing, right? He's doubtful, yeah. 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 Um, so I, I do think obviously that hurts, um, but I, I, I'm i with uh, Mr. Model on this one. I like Vegas. Colter, what do you got? Yeah, I don't have one way or another in the pool right now. I'm on uh, Vegas just because of the situational spot. You've got a team coming from the East Coast to the West on short day, six days rest on Monday night football. And then you have the Raiders who played on Thanksgiving coming home. They're going to be rested up. But the one thing that I really struggle with this, and it's actually twofold, the spread being under three makes me raise my eyebrow just for a brief second. And then secondly, if I do the old blue chip counter, and we can do this together, uh, I, I have blue chip players on the football team at three and I have Carr, if you want to even call him that for the Raiders one, I mean, the Raiders just lack top end talent. Um, and so in that sense, I do worry about them. Um, but they did just hang with the Cowboys for four quarters, even though they got some help with the officials, 
I'm going to go with them. It's under three and the situational spot, but I do think the football team actually has more top end talent personally. I'm going to jump back in on a crossfire here, Mr. Mono. I've been riding this football team the past couple of weeks. Hughes and Colts, remember when you thought I was crazy picking them against the Panthers? Here we go. Here we go. I've been hot with them, baby. Uh, like showing some life for Ron Rivera. They've got their defense finally playing well. And, yeah, Taylor Heineke, definitely not the guy. But you know what he's doing? He's playing smart football. And they've kind of established himself as like a ground and pound, run the ball, get the ball to McLaren, do just enough to kind of get them in the zone here. And I, I think Washington's defense is really good against quarterbacks like Derek Carr who can't escape the pocket. So I actually think that this provides an opportunity for them to actually get an outright win. I saw them right now. They're sitting at 110, I think, 115 on a money line here. I might sprinkle a little on them taking a the money line here. So I'm going to kick the crossfire action, and I'm going to ride the hot team. Fair enough. Call me crazy. Call me Kaz, crazy. You came, you came to bet tonight. I love it. <laughs> I came in. I got some game action like on the, on the Cowboys. I got some crossfires going. I'm feeling the good one right thing now. I don't love about the football team side though. And we saw this on uh, Monday and obviously they'll have a kicker when they go to Vegas, but their whole kicking situation, I don't love. And Carlson's actually been a fantastic kicker this year for the Raiders. So that would be one other reason to jump on the Raiders side. I think that's why I ended up on them in the pool, but I don't, again, I don't love the Raiders roster. I look at it and I just think they're one of the least talented um, rosters in the NFL. Another GM that, I mean, if we were doing this podcast, in Nevada and one of us was a Vegas fan. I think one of us would be calling for Mayox head, right? I mean, this is, Oh yeah, this is not a talented team. I mean, look down their team. I'm looking at their starters right now. Nagakwe is their best player. He is their blue chip player. He's like 32. Yeah. I mean, team. talk about a better player on their team. Yeah. They've got They've got a couple guys, but yeah, no, I agree. They're, they're definitely not stacked with talent. Um, one of the other pass rushers has been, has been really good. Crosby has um, been great. Yeah. He's, he's been, been awesome. Um, but yeah, no, they've, they've, uh, they've, they've definitely struggled to, to have consistency. Uh, Trayvon Mullins, I think is back. So that might help him at corner a little bit um, or safety, wherever he's playing these days. But yeah, no, I, I, I do agree that there, there's definitely a deficiency there. I just think this Washington football team is just due for uh, a loss. Like I, I, and I think covering the two and a half shouldn't be that hard. That's fair. All right, boys, for my first pick here, I'm going with a coaching mismatch that I never thought I would have here. Uh, mostly just picking against Matt Nagy, but I'm taking the Cardinals minus seven and a half going to soldier field. If this was six and a half, I'm putting my mortgage on this seven and a half. I still love it. Kyler is coming back. I think Hopkins is supposed to be back. They're coming off a bye week. I believe. I mean, they're just all these factors are coming in and you've got what I saw was a very bad performance on Thanksgiving by the bears. They are lucky to have walked out of there with a win. Matt Nagy cannot get out of his own way. I mean, the guy is just awful. And when I look at these two rosters, there is just such a talent mismatch between these two teams. So seven and a half does not scare me quite enough. I'm going to ride with Kyler and the Cardinals on the road. Hughes, what do you think? Uh, That's a tough one. I am also on Arizona. Do do we know who's playing quarterback for the Bears? I believe it's Fields. Okay. I I think I would like the Chicago side a little bit more if it were Dalton. Um, Just because Fields seems like he just keeps getting hurt. But – uh, neither into there. I'm on Arizona. I'm with you. I think uh, they're unless unless something happens to Kyler. But even then, I think they're they're a better team. Weather obviously is the only thing I'd be worried about this game. Fair enough, Coulter. I was going to say the latest was that Fields did practice it because he has cracked ribs. Reports are that they, they think the team is are just going to be precautious with him, seeing they're paying Dalton ten million dollars. So. I think they're going to go with Dalton in a spot start, which I think is actually the right call for them. Not just because I think Dalton gives them the best chance, but it's just not worth injuring fields long-term with a coach. Yeah. He's not going to be playing for. Um, with that said, interesting little nugget here. Uh, teams coming off the buy against the spread are 42%. Uh, so I actually don't love the fact mm. that Arizona is coming off a quote unquote bye week. I actually think they might be unfocused with all the rumors going on with the head coach. 
Uh, the Kyler injury, the fact that Kyler and, and uh, New Hopkins haven't played together in a while, I feel like is a disadvantage for them. Uh, there might be a little bit of a slow start. I actually would love to take Bears first quarter in this game. First quarter under is another one I'm going to look at. I am going to take the Cardinals, though, at the end of the day because I can't take that Nagy. <laughs> but there are some things that I do like about the Bears. I think they can start and take a lead. And I do think um, because of that, that there might be a little bit of a slog coming from the Arizona that people are not expecting. I don't think they're going to be as crisp. Can we we talk about this real quick? There is no way that Cliff Kingsbury is leaving the Arizona fucking Cardinals to go coach the Oklahoma fucking Sooners. So anybody who's like, these stories are completely insane. Cliff will get more money, which I think is why all this shit happens. Oh, yep. guess what? Then the Cardinals are like, oh, fuck. We got to throw a billion dollars at him, buy him another house made of glass. And like, that's <laughs> what's going to happen. But like this, the fact that anybody would, I, I mean, it, again, maybe I'm crazy and maybe that there is a world where that could happen. But to me, that is in this team's loaded. Like, where is he? Where would he want to go? He's got a college team playing in the NFL, playing great. He's got a great setup. Phoenix is great. Why the fuck would you want to live in Norm? I had the same reaction, Hughes. It makes no sense of all the times to be leaving the Cardinals. I mean, they hired him for this exact project. Load this team up with the air raid offense, get some defensive (laughs) veterans in there and make a run at it. Like, yeah, it just makes no sense right now. No, I know. And the, the division, division and the yeah. division's bottomed out too. Right. Yeah. Right. It's literally bottomed out and San Francisco is underperforming. I mean that and let's be honest, the Rams are underperforming. And I mean, the Rams yeah. are all in too. The Rams do their window is not. Yes. Yeah, they're they no wide open. the dominant team in that division for a very long time, if, if yeah, they play yeah. correctly. I, oh, I don't know. I these if it were USC, maybe I could say like, okay, like I could see when it, but like people are like, oh, he's going to go to Oklahoma. And I'm just like, unless I'm missing something, their coach just left to go yeah. coach in the fucking Pac-12. Like, come on. <laughs> like, this, this is this is not real life. He's not leaving. And the, I mean, the Cardinals are notoriously cheap. So, uh, But he's got to be making great money. And he's yeah. got to be having a great – he doesn't have to fucking recruit. Recruiting is the worst. Brutal. Oh, Mr. Model, what do you think about my Cardinals minus seven and a half pick? I I have no desire to get on the Chicago Bears. I am not looking to back them on any day of the week. So I'm just going to say Arizona Cardinals minus seven half. That's fine by me because I, I hate the other side even more. Can't trust Nagy. All right, Hughes, let's get your key pick, my friend. Oh, man. I'm going down with the shit, boys. I'm on the Rams minus 12 and a half at home <laughs> against Jacksonville. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why they've played not looked great. They have just absolutely slept walk through some of these games. I don't know why I would think that they're not going to do the same thing against Jacksonville, but I think they also have the opportunity to beat them by 30 and I hate urban Meyer and Michigan just beat Ohio state. So I'm riding the Rams <laughs> minus 12 and a half key pick this week. Jacksonville going out West. Good night. Herb's going to be, there's going to be videos. Oh God. Twitter's going to be alive the night before that game. Herb. Colter, what do you think? <laughs> I, I, I'm on the Rams in the pool and I can't take urban after last week. I really feel like he cost me the pot. I know. I, I, I think I lost like six or five or six different sides, but I blame, I blame all my losses on, taking yep. the Jaguars against the Falcons, uh, which is irrational. But I, I think Donald is going to just eat their interior uh, offensive line. I mean, like we were talking about the Patriots game, I just think that the Rams are going to dominate the line of scrimmage. It's a get-right spot for them. If they can get the running game going at all, this offense will start to hum. I guarantee it. I mean, they're going to just blow up against the Jaguars. Their secondary is terrible. You know, it's funny. I was just watching this Callaway guy grab a ball earlier in the game on the Saints, and I was thinking about when he just demolished the uh, Jaguars secondary in the preseason. Uh, the Jaguars secondary has only gotten worse, more depleted through injuries and trades. They're going to carve him up. Cooper Cup's going to have a day. Jefferson will get over the top. If Beckham plays, he'll be able to shine as well. I, I think they'll be able to smoke him. Yeah, I almost said this is my key pick. I, I don't understand why this isn't like 15. Because under two touchdowns, I mean, makes you think like that's a little weird to me. It's because the Rams are doing things like going for it yeah. on fourth and one in the first half yeah. of their own 29 on the road, which is just absolutely asinine against Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I do think that like if you, you know, 
to Hughes's point, if you hate Urban, which I, I really don't like Urban at all, I think he's a class clown. And I think McVeigh really is like a, you know, football savant. Uh, I just think there's a coaching advantage there to some extent that to your point, Kaz, it should be a 14 point game just on the coaching. And I think that's yep. where we're getting a little bit of that value on the other side. They need to get right on the offensive line and running game. If they can't run the ball, I mean, they're going to beat the Jaguars. There's, there's no way they're going to lose this game. They might not cover the spread, maybe back to a weird The spread like, is all about if that front five can manhandle the Jaguars front uh, front seven on defense, because yeah. that's the best unit in Jacksonville is their run defense. Yep. So we'll see. Mr. Mott, what do you think? Yeah, I think this is a get right game for the Rams. Uh, coming off three losses to the Titans, 49ers and Packers. I'm like, who else would you want to play? Other than the Jaguars, maybe the Jets, but Jaguars just feel like it's uh, time to pull it back together, right the ship, get back going, get some momentum again, and uh, actually start cruising to the playoffs. Yeah. All right. Big number there, uh, Hughes, but no crossfires. Coulter, who is your key pick? Now, I'm not going with the Pats, and I'm not going with Miami because the lines have moved, but those are my two best plays. I have. I don't think I've ever done this in the podcast, maybe I did do it a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to take my Broncos plus nine and a half, uh, making a little bit of history here against the chiefs. We play this offense. Well, we shut them down and Mahomes had his two worst games last year against the Banjo defense and the previous season, two touchdowns, three picks and two games against the Broncos. I like it. I like the Broncos defense against the chiefs. I think again, the bye week thing is important. 42% against the spread way too many points. Uh, divisional rival. We have a lot to play for. I'll take him. Hughes, either you're shocked at Taysom Hill throwing another pick or you're shocked at this Broncos pick. Um, not shocked by the Broncos pick. Cause I do think it's a big number, but I'll crossfire that. I think the chiefs, uh, come out and make a statement. Um, give me in the crossfire mix because I, if this game were in Denver, I'd obviously feel, I don't uh, the line wouldn't be nine and a half, but I would feel differently about, uh, Denver's chances. But for some reason, this feels like one of those chiefs um, just get it going early and keep their foot on the gas. Um, I think they've got to get right a little bit. I like the chiefs big in this game against the Broncos. Okay. Okay. Well, crossfire, Mr. Model, what do you think? I am going to agree with Coulter here. I, I like the Broncos plus nine and a half, even though the chiefs offense scares me a little bit. Um, as they do to anyone. I just think the Broncos are getting healthier uh, right now this week coming back into this game than they've ever been this season. So I think they start actually putting some stuff together and keep this game close throughout. And Bridgewater is not going to be our long-term solution, but he's an in-game manager who can keep us in it. You know, we know that our backup is not going to be that. The guy who shall not be named is not going to be our solution short-term or long-term. So let's do uh, Teddy Two Gloves and let's see if we can kind of put a performance together that we can remember. Okay. I mean, Vol- Voldemort, Voldemort playing quarterback. <laughs> the right now. This is great. This is great. <laughs> uh, I'm with you guys. I'm going to take the Broncos here to cover. Um, they do play them really well. And historically, even in Arrowhead, they play pretty well. Uh, I think Van Joe can scheme just enough to limit this, this Chiefs offense. I mean, we've seen it all year long where they kind of just don't get firing on all cylinders. And then they get in these games where they're slugging it out like 24, 17, you know, something like that. But the, oh, yeah, you may be right, but the lights are going to be on. It's Sunday night football. I, I just don't see how the chiefs don't show up for this game. Um, and, but yeah, you, they, they have played poorly at a lot, at a lot of turns this year. So. Yeah, and I don't mean the other, the other thing the Broncos I like about the cover is we we actually didn't cover both games last year. The Chiefs covered both games against us last season, even though I thought we played well against them. So uh, I don't know, two misleading covers in my opinion as a Bronco fan, and I don't like giving my team the benefit of the doubt. I'm hard on them, but they do play the Chiefs hard, and they both games last year they played their two hardest games of the year. Somehow both of them did not cover the spread. And I just think that that has to reverse itself eventually. They can't just keep playing hard games against the homes and get beaten up. And uh, eventually I think they're going to keep playing a close one. And I think, think, think this is the time. I will say though, the chiefs, they've kind of figured out on defense when they finally move Chris Jones. Back my inside. That my, my big biggest change. fear is Chris Jones killing our offense yeah. single handedly, but let's not forget when so. he killed Dallas two weeks ago on national TV, Dallas was without Smith and didn't they lose another tackle? Like, I feel like that game happened when Dallas's offense was 
and just absolutely in shambles, like both on the offensive line and then their weapons kept going down too. But maybe I'm just misremembering. Speaking of Dallas, do they just say, you know, Mike McCarthy, we're good? You, you can yeah. just you can stay in, you can stay in the COVID <laughs> list for the rest of, of the season. On the sideline, it's great. <laughs> I think we've got this from here on out. It'd be, it'd be like, like they have to get rid of Brian Kelly. Yeah, Quinn's <laughs> actually a coach. He's actually like getting pumped up, showing emotion. Yeah. All right, Mister Model, let's get your key pick. All right, I'm going to take. Uh, you know, I don't love this, but I'm going to go with it anyway. I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts minus nine and a half versus the uh, Texans. Uh, this is a Colts team that's coming off of two huge games these past two weeks. Once it, one against the Buccaneers that they lost, one against the Bills that they won. We all remember the Jonathan Taylor Heisman MVP, whatever you want to call it, moment <laughs> from that Buffalo Bills game. You know, he obviously didn't play that as well in the Buccaneers game. Still had decent stats. I think it's 80 something yards and a touchdown. Um, Texans, you know, very much trending down. We know that they are not looking to win games, especially toward the end of the year as they set themselves up for a draft pick. Colts still very much in the thick of it in terms of the division, if they can claw one or two back on Tennessee. I never, you know, I never want to uh, take the Colts quarterback (laughs) and say that he is going to carry them. But with Jonathan Taylor playing that well, I think they have another option. So I, I think they can uh, get this cover. I don't love the nine and a half, but I'm going to take it anyway. Give me Colts. All right, Hughes, what do you think? Oh, man. Um, this is a tough one. I've gone back and forth on this game a lot. This feels like a total letdown spot for Indy, uh, just with what they had prior, what they've got coming up the next couple of weeks. Um Oh, man, I'm not going to crossfire this one just because I do think this could easily be one of those games. And Houston did not play well against the Jets last week, which I thought that was a game that they would definitely come out and and look better than the Jets, and they did not. Uh, so I'm not going to crossfire, but I think right now I'm leaning towards taking Houston. Okay. Colter, what do you think? Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm leaning towards Houston, but I'm not going to crossfire um, on this one. I think Indianapolis secondary is actually a little overrated. So I, I think if Brandon Cooks can get past them a couple times, maybe the number nine is just too high or nine and a half. Um, so, I mean, that's why I think I lean Houston. I think is all they need is a deep ball, one or two deep balls to him um, that end up in a touchdown and, and they may cover the number. Uh, I, I, I can't take Wentz nine and a half. I think that's why I ended up going to, to Houston in the first place. Um, that's basically all I have on this one is I can't take Wentz on the road, nine and a half point favorite. Um, I know Houston's fans don't care. They probably have zero home point, uh, home advantage at this point, but I still think on the road, Indianapolis, nine, nine and a half points is a little too much for my, my liking. Um, by the way, since the last time I spoke on this podcast, Jason Hill's thrown another interception. Just want to let the listeners know. (laughs) That's four, Um, that's four for old T dog. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm also with uh, Coulter and Hughes here. I'm, I'm sheepishly on Houston. Um, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to crossfire this one. I, I might just, uh, keep my bullet in the pocket here. I'm not betting with Carson Wentz ever again, after he's burned me multiple times this year, I just can't do it. I do think that is just way too many points for him. But if you're in the, you're Frank Reich, you're just going to say, Hey, let's just run the ball the entire fucking game and see what happens here. Um, but I'm going to take, I'm going to take Houston with the points here, but not get a crossfire. So Mr. Mo, that was a interesting three way loss. No that's, crossfire. That's, that's called par golf. I think that's called, that's called give us or taking the Texans, but we're fighting <laughs> our fucking lip as we do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So my key pick in the pool is the giants, but because of that line movement, I'm going to jump off of them. Uh, just because of the, you know, it's too many points of a jump here. Uh, my key pick of the week is I am going with the Baltimore Ravens crossfiring against the Steelers. I saved it. I didn't want to jump in there and ruin your pick at all. Coulter here. Uh, so we got triple, triple crossfire. So I'm just going to do it. Do it. Uh, dead team. Do it. They're a dead team. They're a dead team. Like I said, um, this is a problematic situation for me because I do think Lamar is showing signs of weakness He's trying to do too much and they really don't have much of a running game anymore. 
But having said that, they're a dead team. When you've got Ryan Clark coming out on TV, just blasting the Steelers, when you've got Big Ben walking the sidelines, like I have no idea what's going on out there. He came down with a case of the Sam Darnolds. He started seeing ghosts last week in Cincinnati. I just, yeah, you, there, there's nothing. When we were, we were joking about this in our, our, I don't know if it was on Twitter or what, but the solution that the players came up with is to play music at practice. That's going to, that's going to turn your season around. Yeah. You got to loosen up a little bit, Mike Tomlin. Stop being such a tight I ass. Mean, I just, this is more of a pick against Pittsburgh than it is with Baltimore. But if you're sitting there and you're John Harbaugh, you're saying, listen, we're lucky we squeaked out some wins these past couple of weeks. Let's make a fucking statement against a team that's drowning in the water. That's, <laughs> that's why I'm taking Baltimore. <laughs> so I will say the crossfire. I will say this. The one thing about Baltimore is that those types of games, they oftentimes don't show up to, and it takes them two quarters to figure out what is actually going on. So I do think it's going to be interesting because the Steelers have to win. This is their season. This is Big Ben's career. I mean, there's no way. This is a, this is, and I, I hate to like yeah. be that dramatic about it, but like this is it. He if he loses this game, they're probably done from a playoff perspective, and he's definitely not coming back. And no, yep. who would want him? He can't even throw the ball down the field. He looks like worse than Peyton did in that last season um, with some of the stuff. He just can't can't move. He can't make decisions. He can't throw the ball down the field. Um, it's it's kind of sad to see. I think after and, what everybody expects. Like from like what's going when that when's that gonna happen to like Brady and it happens to kind of everybody but for Big Ben it just has looked terrible. And I also want to say this. I think it's important to note that they're lucky that they don't have a guy that can potentially come back and challenge Big Ben because if they had a guy in their roster that was like, hey, yeah. maybe we should see what we got with him, they might be throwing him in there. But they got Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph. They are not going to any of those guys. So no. I don't know what's happening. I just lost my train of thought here for a second because I have the under of 47 and a half. And fucking Saints just broke a 70 yard touchdown. I think I'm still covering the under, but God damn it. <laughs> yeah, you're still, you should be okay. Even if they go for two, I think. I don't understand right. how a quarterback could throw four picks. Well, I think four picks and a half and then throw a TD like that. It's because <laughs> the Cowboys Harrison. defense. A yeah. burner. Yeah, that's, that's true. But yeah, so that, that's my pick. And I, uh, I saved a little, <laughs> little ditty, even though I did crossfire earlier, but. Well, have we ever to go double down on them? I'm sure we've had one. I have to go back to the archive, but I'm sure we've had one of those. I'm 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 hanging a lot of money on Big Ben. I know I have to go back to the Ravens pick on my in the pool at least as a hedge. Thirty bucks on Big Ben. I at least I at least have to pick the Ravens in the pool. <laughs> oh, All right, ben. gentlemen. I'm in trouble fantastic. with Big Ben now. Yeah, got a lot on the line here. A fantastic Dang, episode, Mister Model. We appreciate the insights with the college basketball model. Please keep us posted. Let's get some picks out to the public for us. We'll see if we can pull it together here and get uh, get some momentum going. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.